Hey guys, welcome to the Now Life Podcast. I am your host, Sean Jones, and I wanted to pause here just for a second. Our beloved host, co-host, Mark Shaloe, life has just come in and he is on to other things. So I am going to be going solo here in the studio for a little while, probably, you know, if the Lord would lead someone else to be a co-host, great, but I'm never alone, right? We got Jesus right here with us. God is uh, walking with us and we're following him. And I want to remind you that here at the Now Life podcast, we are passionate about encouraging people to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give. The now life is a term we use to describe the life we have, the privilege to live now as disciples of Jesus. We do this for the glory of God and for the sake of others until we see Jesus face to face. As we kick off our third season, we want to get right back into what matters most, and that's following Jesus. Today, we are discussing the disciple-making pathway. I'm sure all of you had a very nice summer, especially if you're here in Arizona. I know that it can be difficult to do anything, especially with the kind of heat we had. Uh, July was terrible, but you know what, guys? We are back at it, and we, we can't let a little bit of heat discourage us from following Jesus. I am grateful for things like air conditioning and uh, cold drinks and all that stuff. Iced coffee. I like it. So I want us to get our mind back to where it needs to be as we, you know, begin to talk about these things that really do matter with the eternal perspective. Following Jesus is the best thing that we can do as disciples. We need to look at him and his way of living and the things that he's said and what he wants us to do so that we can become more like him. So I want to talk today about something called the disciple making pathway. And a disciple making pathway is a simple, practical, intentional, and reproducible process that moves new believers of Jesus into mature disciple makers. It's that's the intention of a disciple making pathway. It's not Uh, Obviously, we have our own will and we can avoid it. But as I explain this to you guys, it'll make more sense. But first, I want to want to talk about uh, Bill Mowry. He is a navigator. He serves with the Navigators Church Ministries, and he writes about a disciple making pathway. And he says that it invites people to encounter the living Christ. He says in a pathway, we partner with the Holy Spirit to wisely and intentionally weave together learning experiences and relationships to progressively move people towards maturity in Christ, to live on mission for Christ, and to multiply their lives in Christ. A pathway provides what we need to know, be, and do to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. And just from a personal note, I love the idea of a disciple making pathway, but it wasn't something that was just put in front of my face. This is something that I've really begun to look at and learn about since 2020. So the last three years, this has become more prevalent and and clear in my mind. So I understand if this is a foreign term for you, but I love it. It's the idea of if we're going to make disciples, knowing um, how to do that, having a a path, for lack of a better term, to walk down to help us to achieve those markers in our life, the Christ-like living, you know, character of Christ, you know, the things that I begin to do. So I like to use the illustration. It's like, for those of you who've ever bowled before or watched bowling, you know, the, the goal of bowling is to throw that ball down the lane and hit those pins. And the more pins I knock down, the better. But I don't know about you, but I've thrown quite a bit 
uh, quite a few gutters, right? I throw that ball right in the gutter and I get zero points. So a pathway is like pulling those bumpers out. So when we put those bumpers over the gutters, we we're going to hit some pins as long as we throw that ball down the lane. So having a process that's intentional and simple and reproducible means that um, others can do it too will help us to, to do some, some things that are good and right and have been already identified. It's a strategy to help mature people while we're in relationship with them. That's really important. So let's take a few minutes and discuss the disciple-making pathway that we've been working on here at Desert Springs Community Church. There is a disciple-making pathway PDF that's attached to the show notes that you can look at now while we discuss this together. You can pull that up. If you are driving or doing something where you need to be able to look and see, you know, if you're if you're a carpenter and you need to strike that hammer, bro, don't be looking at the 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 disciple making pathway while you're doing that. Don't don't do it while you're driving. Okay, we don't we don't need anybody wrecking. We don't need anybody smashing into anything and blaming it on me for telling you to look at this. But you can always go back and pull it up. But listen well, okay, as we talk about. It. If you've got that thing up there, it may just look like a bunch of pretty colors and so on and so forth. So let me help explain that to you a little bit. Starting with the evangelize quadrant or section or whatever you want to call it, that is helping us to see that when we evangelize the lost, it leads people to new life. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creature, a new creation, right? It says, behold, the old things have passed away and the new have come. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, we are born again. And that's important. We have life. We have been born spiritually. And then we want to walk with these new believers to establish them in their faith. That helps them lead towards the rooted life. This is the picture of a healthy tree, a healthy bush, something that's put its roots down or beginning to, to grow strong. It's laying a foundation built up in Christ. And in Colossians 2 Verses six and seven, it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's the picture here, being firmly rooted, being established, being built up in Christ. We are maturing as believers. That's what's happening in this established stage. So we evangelize the lost, we establish believers in the faith, and then we equip them and impassion them to do the work of the ministry. So that next section is to equip. And when we equip believers to live for God, to live for Christ and live for others, that leads towards the missional life. John 17, 18, Jesus is talking to the father, he's praying and he's talking about how just as as the father had sent him, he's going to send the disciples. He's going to cause them to go out and live that way as well. I believe it's John 20 when he actually says that to them, uh, just as the father sends me, so I send you. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 and 12, this is where it's talking about these functions, these offices of the church, and some were given as apostles and prophets and evangelists pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry to help to mature every believer. So those people that are given to the church, these giftings that have been given uh, gifted people uh, are, are meant to help equip people so that they can live as disciples, so that they can make disciples, so that they can live missionally. And Jesus was a perfect model for us to see how he went into the world and 
cared for people and preached the gospel. And that's what we're trying to do. But equipping is vital. If you don't have the tools, you will never get to that last section, which is entrusting. And so this is where we see a mature believers learning to live for others, no longer themselves, learning to live on mission for Jesus. Now taking that call of making disciples seriously. So we're like passing the baton on to those people and say, now you go make disciples. You go share these things with others. Second Timothy 2, 2, one of those famous verses in discipleship, disciple making, Paul says, uh, to Timothy, he's talking about, he says, uh, these things that you've heard me say before many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who can teach others. So there's this idea of generational disciple making. Okay. You've heard me, I've taught you. Now you teach others who can teach others, so on and so forth. And that's the heart of God. He wants to see people making disciples generationally over and over and over again. And then you see like that, the, the great commission verses, Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And he goes on talking about baptizing them and teaching them to obey and so on and so forth. And that he'll never he'll never leave. You know, he'll he'll be with us to the end of the age. The beauty is that that's a good picture of that last command, that mission that God has given to us to teach everyone to obey all that Christ has commanded that should be the goal. So as we're growing up, that's what we should be following. What did Jesus want us to become? That's the picture of a disciple. So in the disciple making pathway, we're really just trying to create that path that we can walk alongside new believers to help them to become more like Jesus and do the same, help others to, to make disciples. So in each section or area of the pathway, there are typically behaviors as well. So as we grow up in our faith, these behaviors help us to determine or help us to see that there actually is growth, just like we would see in a child, you know, an infant moving into a child or a young adult or a parent where now they're reproducing or a grandparent who's taught their their children how to have children, so on and so forth. But let's look at some of these behaviors you know, when we look at the new life area, some of the behaviors we might see in a new believer, somebody who has new life as they're growing, as they become committed to the church and they have a desire to grow up and in their faith, they want to they want to be involved in a small group or a, a small discipleship group like a triad or something where there's three others. And um, they're excited about Jesus. They're, they're, they're so thankful that they're saved. You know, they have a joy of their salvation and they're growing in their faith and their understanding and their assurances of these things that God wants them to to experience when we're um, in that rooted life it's a demonstration of a more mature place so now i've kind of walked through those things i've experienced those things and now i'm I'm, i care about reading my bible engaging with god and 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 being able to pray and talk to him differently than i did as a new believer that was pretty foreign but now i've seen the benefit of it i talk about prayers being answered and i'm starting to begin to have a heart to live on mission and those types of things I'm looking to be involved with other people um, for accountability, that I would be faithful to the Lord. And I also, you know, begin to maybe have a niche to grow up more, that I begin to read extra biblical books, you know, other things that maybe would help me to be a better disciple. There are always commitments along the way too, or convictions, excuse me, that happen, which really help us to see somebody is developing a heart to become a disciple maker. And one of the things in that rooted life, when someone is more mature is they, they have a growing hunger to go after God's heart. They really desire to be like him and to, to see what he wants for them. 
Um, and that moves them into that missional life because now they've grown to a stage uh, of their life where life is not just about them. They've learned how to eat on their own and now they want to help others feed too. So when you move from the rooted life to the missional life, it's no longer about just what I get. It's about how can I help others get it too, or how can I benefit those? So we start to serve sacrificially. We really begin to understand what it means to do things for the glory of God and for the sake of others. And in the missional life, when we're being equipped and we're doing the things that we should do, um, we're going to start using our spiritual gifts to serve the church and other ministries and start to attend events that are not at the church, like engaging with our community, whether that be neighbors or uh, at community events. But we do that with a purpose. We're looking to see how God wants to use us in those opportunities as well. We we would see our, our uh, workplace as a mission field. I worked in... I was in the Marine Corps. I served um, for eight years. I got out. I worked as an enrollment counselor. I was an inventory control manager. I did sales. And those were places that I believed, once I came to know the Lord, that I could serve him right there, that I could follow him and help others to do the same right there where I was at. It was different. It's different than just being in full-time vocational ministry, but nevertheless, that's what God wants. So when we begin to live that missional life, we see that everywhere we go, God can use us however he pleases we also start to work on building relationships with the lost and having um, conversations, faith conversations, and effectively sharing the gospel. We learn how to share the gospel because now we have a conviction and a heart for the lost. When we have a heart for the lost and we care about them, but we, we're not learning to share our faith, you know, that, that might just be the step that we need. So we need folks to come alongside us and equip us to help us to live that missional life. And that last part, that multiply life, we're entrusting them with the teachings of Christ and the, the, the commission of, of, of God, we begin to intentionally invest in others. This is where we come alongside people to help them to grow up in the faith. I love to say that, you know, like, has anybody come alongside you to help you to become more like Jesus? Not, not to help you become a better person, but specifically to become more like Jesus so that you can help others do the same. You're going to see that from people in this particular area. They're going to spend time with people to equip them. They're going to be looking for one or two or three people to disciple. They're going to be champions and models of disciple making in the church. These folks will live that out. They'll actually be practitioners, not philosophers. They won't just talk about it. They'll do it. They will model the lifestyle of Jesus in disciple making. That's important. They, uh, they, you know, the, a lot of these things sometimes transfer over. They'll continue to grow. They'll still read books. You have not arrived. Trust me. Okay. I still feel like I'm in elementary school in, in regard to my spiritual state, but growing is going to happen until we see Jesus face to face for sure. You know, you can't stop. So if you think you're good, you've arrived, you're complacent, or you just have all the information you ever need. Well, I'll say you're lacking and let's keep going. Okay. Let's do it together. And then, you know, a, a commitment and a conviction that you'll see from people that are ready to make disciples that they will, their schedule will reflect meeting with people to make disciples, not just meet with people to have coffee, not just meet with people to see how they're doing, but actually for the purpose of helping them to become more and more like Jesus. Now, here's the thing, folks. I believe the natural tendency of people is to stay in the established stage of the pathway where we are always working on the rooted life or maturing in Christ. 
we, we get comfortable with learning. Um, we, we like that. We want information. We think that the more information I, more information I have, the, the better follower I will be. But we rarely move into living a missional or multiply life. It's like a, it's a terrible um, cyclical aspect of our lives. We were kind of moving into that uh, equipping stage or missional stage. We kind of getting a heart for it, but then we're like, oh, but I got to get more information. So we go take another class and oh, I got to learn more. And then we go learn more. Oh, I got to go do this. And then we go do that. And God's still saying, no, you'd learn a lot if you just actually did the things that I told you to do. If you'd actually serve somebody sacrificially, if you actually demonstrate love for somebody, you would learn a lot as you followed me and put your faith in me and trusted me in those scary moments that you think you can't answer all those questions. And look, folks, we're not going to be able to retain all the information we learn anyways. So start taking the things you do know, do know and apply those things in your life so that you begin to live like Christ. This is not an appropriate way to live as disciples of Jesus, as information gatherers. Take the information today that you learned and apply it to your life and be transformed and do the things that God has called you to do. Stop acting like you are doing those things, tricking yourself because you know something. Do the things you know. And then continue to grow, continue to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him teach you. But folks, we can't, we can't waste time. 150,000 people die every day. As the church, we have a mission. It's clear. Nobody's arguing about this. Make disciples. Reach the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Go advance his kingdom. But we got to be equipped and prepared. And, and yes, it does help us to get past those fears. But folks, if we're not taking the steps as Jesus did, we're missing the mark and we're not on the path. So I'm hoping that you're hearing what I'm saying today is that being a disciple means you need somebody to help disciple you too. Okay, it's not enough just to read a book and, and go to a class. You need folks in community to help you to be accountable and to apply these things and to affirm and celebrate the things that you've done. So I'm hoping that you will hear that call from the Holy Spirit and you will look for somebody to come alongside you. And if you're a mature believer and you've been equipped, you're ready to, to go share these things with people, then start praying for that one person that God will put in your life to do those things. The reality is, is that Jesus called us to make disciples and he lived a missional life of caring and showing compassion. He looked upon the crowds and saw them distressed and desperate and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he he actually demonstrated compassion. He didn't just have a feeling in his heart. He helped people. And he's called us to lose our life for his sake and the gospels. And when we do that, he says, we'll save it. And I don't know about you, but until I see Jesus face to face, I want to experience the now life. I want to experience the abundant life that God has came to give us. So I'm hoping that you do too. The reality is there's a cost to discipleship. And for some, it's very costly and it's hard and you lose a lot in this life. You have to give up everything. Jesus said, anyone who wishes to come after me must deny himself. And that's not easy folks. But the reality is, is that the goal is not only transformation for us, but for others through us. God saves us, transforms us, makes us into who we're supposed to be so that we can then influence others for the glory of God. We can be like Jesus to them, be a conduit and point people to him. 
He wants others to be saved through us. He prayed about that in John 17. Not only for those who believed what he said, but for those who would believe in the testimony of the disciples. What if they just quit? What if they're just like, man, I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. Thank God. Done. Me and you wouldn't be here talking about this. That's for sure. We'd be, who knows where we'd be. We don't have to talk about that. We just need to set our eyes on Christ and follow him. Next podcast, next time we meet, we are going to be talking more about the cost of discipleship. It's going to be great. It's going to be challenging, but we really need to get down to the nitty gritty. And this obviously the now life is going to be saturated with those types of thoughts anyway. So no matter what we're doing, we're always going to be talking about following Jesus and becoming like him. Guys, thanks for hanging with me. I'm glad that you are here. I'm looking forward to meeting with you guys again next time. Who knows? We have some guests planned to come and come in and talk about some mission trips and how they've been serving and what they've been learning. It's going to be awesome. This week, take time to pray and consider where you are in your walk and where you are on the disciple making pathway. If you need help with this, please just let us know. You can email us at thenowlife at dscchurch.com. And I would be glad to walk alongside you and help you to discover where you are and help you to become more like Jesus. Until next time, go live the now life. Thanks for listening to The Now Life, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. The Now Life is hosted by Sean Jones and is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie and me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and if you want more information, please visit dscchurch.com.